Well, in all that's going on, Pentecost, our combined service, the walk, the picnic, uh, the rest of the world is celebrating Father's Day. I went to uh, get my coffee this morning and uh, my barista friend Theo said Happy Father's Day and I had forgotten uh, that that was the case. Um, and, and then he comes back with my coffee and he said, Pastor John, Pastor John, would you pray for my father? He has been dead 21 years today. And I think of him often. I thought it would be a neat idea to begin our time in God's word by, uh, by thanking God for all the fathers who are trying their best. Lord Jesus, you had a special relationship with your father, far better than many of us have with our fathers or our children, and yet marked by that same love and the desire that our children would be blessed and our fathers would know that they are loved. So in the name of Evangelos John Zambetakis of Tanzania, 21 years in heaven today, I pray that, that you will bless all the fathers and that you will speak to us that we might be on that same journey of life that is really life. In your great name, amen. As Brad pointed out, next week, starting this coming Wednesday, actually, we want to make the first half of our summer focus on the building blocks of our faith, Uh, looking at those things that are essential to being a follower of Jesus. But this one falls between our series on Philippians and the building block series, and I wanted to tie it to the idea of the church gathered together. It's very rare that we all have the chance to see people that that we don't recognize, listen to music we don't always understand or remember. But when the church gathers together, it becomes a colony of heaven. A little post, far from the doors of heaven, showing what heaven might be like one day. And I wanted to talk about that together as, as we head out to the summer. I was talking to a friend and saying that our services, uh, uh, attendance through June, July, and especially in August go down 20, 30, 40, 45%. And I said, after the second year, the first year I was very offended. After the second year, I was like, well, can I leave too? <laughs> I mean, really, if they didn't pay me to be here... We need the summertime here. We need to lie fallow and, and take a different pace and go places so that we come back refreshed and ready to jump in. And so I would like to give all of us some verses for this summer travels. For the roads of summer that you travel in faith, listen to what the author of the Hebrews says. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for. Faith is being certain of what we don't see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, they understood that the universe was created at God's command, out of what was invisible. And by faith, Abel brought God a better 
sacrifice than Cain. By faith, Abel still speaks even though he's dead. Without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to God must believe that not only God exists, but he rewards people who seek him. By faith, Noah built an ark. By faith, Abraham, when he's called to go, got up and left, even though he didn't know where he was going. By faith, Abraham made his home like a stranger in a foreign country, in tents like his children left. Abraham was looking forward to a different city, one built and architected by God. And by faith, Sarah, his wife, long past childbearing age, was able to have children in her old age. And by faith, Moses, and by faith, David, and by faith, Daniel, and by faith, Rahab, and by faith, Deborah, and by faith, all the prophets, they all lived and died by faith. All of them still living by faith when they died. They didn't receive everything that was promised to them. They just saw it. They welcomed it from a distance, admitting that they were far from home. They were foreigners. They were strangers here on the earth. If they'd been thinking about home, they would have gone back. But instead, they were heading for a different place, a better country, a heavenly one. So God is not ashamed to call them their God. God has prepared a place for them. That's Hebrews 11. Hebrews 12 says, Therefore, since we're surrounded by all those witnesses, such a great cloud of witnesses, let's throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Keep looking at Jesus, who endured such opposition So you won't grow weary, you won't lose heart. Strengthen your feeble arms. Make strong your weak knees. Make level paths for your feet. So that the lame won't fall down. But all will be healed. And now, go out into your summer. By faith. Pilgrims and the tourists that we saw in the children's sermon go out together. They go on on the same roads, they go all over the world. How can you tell the difference between a pilgrim and a spiritual tourist? Maybe you experience the reality of some of each. How can you come back next fall more of a pilgrim and less of a tourist? I think it starts with your schedule. We are scheduled people. We program everything, including our vacations. We will be these days in North Dakota, and we'll be these days in Florence, and we'll be these days in Mexico, and we'll be these days up at the lake. Schedules are everything. They break, they break the normal routine for us. There's a schedule calling for attention right there. <laughs> but for tourists, for tourists, when the schedule gets interrupted, it's a distraction. It's an annoyance. It's a frustration because you're... T- Dude, you're taking away time from the good times. You're stopping us from seeing the the great sights and getting the photos that mark these moments. The, The golden moments are interrupted. And that's bad. 
The first difference between a tourist and a pilgrim is that pilgrims are learning that the interruptions are not just part of the schedule, they can become the golden moments. The times when I'm knocked off schedule can actually become the times where God speaks to you and me most clearly. I saw this in Africa last week, last month now. We were in uh, Moyo, in the middle of the nowhere of Zambia. It takes two hours out of Livingston to get to this small town. It takes another hour to get up where you go off the road for another hour plus. And we've been on this rutted path for what felt like hours. And we came over a, a hump and looked down and uh, I was in the first vehicle. And there's a guy on the side of the road with his bicycle and he's throwing up. And you're going, oh man, alcoholism is rampant. Oh man. And our driver stops and the World Vision woman leans out and starts talking as this guy is on his hands and knees uh, throwing up and I could understand that the conversation was expressing frustration and then concern and then we started up again. And, and finally somebody said, what was that all about? Knowing we still have another 45 minutes to go. And she said, well, he has malaria and he walked, uh, he biked an hour to the clinic and the clinic doesn't have any more anti-malaria medicine. So he's on the way back to the other clinic and he just had to stop to throw it. And it just changed my whole idea of what was important about my schedule. You're going to have those. Somebody's going to call at just the wrong time. Somebody's going to invite themselves over to dinner. Somebody is going to want to have an extra night with you at the cabin. Somebody is, well, you finish the sentence. It's going to interrupt your schedule. And you can decide then, will I be a tourist and look for the photo op, the golden good time, or will I let God interrupt me? And have that become a time that is holy. So when was the last time an interruption became a holy moment for you? And what will mark your summer? Schedules start everything off, but uh, usually you can tell the difference between a tourist and uh, a pilgrim most easily by their appearance. I asked somebody to give me a little help with the difference between a tourist and uh, a pilgrim. And there are, are a couple of marks. The clearest mark, thank you, the clearest mark of a tourist is this, right? All of us have seen these all over the world. We have held them and fumbled them and cursed them and made sure that the batteries were ready to go just as we had the best picture there. That's the mark of a tourist. We're easy to spot, marked by cameras and loud voices. Pilgrims, uh, pilgrims are usually in the background, they have a, a different standard. Uh, I brought this out because uh, the walking stick for pilgrims was uh, meant as protection, but it was also a sign that you needed help. A cane is a sign that you're old, but a walking stick is a sign that you need help to get along the path. A tourist church is uh, pretty easy to spot. There are a lot of them. They are filled with people who look really good. 
Nice cars in the parking lot, beautiful buildings, beautiful people inside. And, um, and pilgrim churches can look exactly the same, but with this difference. The people inside them are not trying to be the beautiful people. They're not trying to be tourists. A friend of mine the other day was talking about a church that he had just been at, and he said it was a dead church. You walk in, the spirit had fled. Nobody was there for anything other than doing their religious duty and getting out into their nice car. And they said, I felt spiritual death all over. And then I heard the babble of voices and the smell of smoke. It was an AA group down in the basement that had not gotten the memo that they weren't supposed to smoke. He says, I went down there and I saw their life. Tourists are people who look good on the outside and even when they're in church are in danger of becoming hollow on the inside. Pilgrims are people who look messed up and broken on the outside. But by banding together with other people who are allowed to have doubts and fears and sins and pain and mess in their lives, when we bring all that brokenness together, God begins to heal us. So this summer, think of this. Are you looking for a place to have great-looking pictures taken of a great-looking you? Are you about finding other broken folks just like you that can be made whole? Pilgrims, tourists. That'll make, it'll make a difference when you get home at the end of the summer. Because that's, that's the end of the difference between tourists and pilgrims when you get home. When does it end? Tourists can't wait to get out of town. Once they're out of town, tourists can't wait to get home. Pilgrims are far from home. They're not sure when they're going to get back because they're going someplace they've never been. They're setting up tents along the way. That's what the author of the Hebrews says. All these did not receive what was promised them. They just saw it and welcomed it from a distance. They admitted that they were foreigners and strangers on the earth. It says, and of them the world was not worthy. If they'd been thinking of where they had left, they would have gone back, but instead they longed for a heavenly home. We're all searching for home. But are you a tourist or a pilgrim as you search? One of the friends of this church, Rich Stearns, the president of World Vision, says uh, he believes most people spend their lives looking for one of three kingdoms. He says the first is the American kingdom that we spend the most time thinking about. It's what uh, we talked about in the children's sermon, the magic kingdom. We want to end up in the magic kingdom. It's a beautiful place. Everything runs on time. Everybody is happy. It's wonderfully organized. You can eat whatever you want. It's a little snapshot of heaven on earth. It's it's like a dream. Where dreams come true. Smiles are all around us. If you get to, to the magic kingdom, you win. And many of us are going there. Many of the rest of us 
are trying to escape what Rich calls the tragic kingdom. Not the magic kingdom, but the tragic kingdom, where life feels like a nightmare, whether it's around us and it's divorce or kids whose lives are messed up or a house that you're going to lose or a job that you don't have or a bad medical report card. The tragic kingdom comes home close to us. And most of us have very little idea of what the tragic kingdom really entails. If you went on the walk today, you know, in the tragic kingdom, 700 million children go to bed hungry. In the tragic kingdom, less than 5% of all the children impacted by AIDS have access to medical care. In the tragic kingdom, they know that there is no justice. And so they pray for mercy. Tourists shoot for the magic kingdom and try to run away from the tragic kingdom. Pilgrims go through both places. Sometimes we're in great places, sometimes we're in terrible places. But pilgrims realize that there is a third kingdom. The kingdom of Jesus. And we take a narrow road to get there. And the folks who get there experience life the way it was meant to be. Not perfect, but broken, transparent people find love and grace and forgiveness and hope on the way to the kingdom that really matters. And in the kingdom that really matters, the Lord Jesus keeps stopping for us on the way and saying, Come on, come on, come on. And when we go as pilgrims to the magic kingdom, we say, those are dreams. Come to real life. And we go to the tragic kingdom. We reach out hands of care and hope and love and say, come on, something better is ahead. What will mark your summer? It's fun to be a tourist for a day. But it's a bad way to live. What will mark your summer? We ask you to join us here, even beginning this hour and in our picnic feast afterwards. Join us on the narrow road, following King Jesus to a new home, bringing life and healing and transparency every step of the way. Lord Jesus, we've put out a call for people to come not as tourists, but as pilgrims, not strong, but weak. We ask that you would lead us and pick us up when we fall and bring us back when we get lost, and that you would feed us along the way. We ask you to take this juice and turn it into your precious blood and take this bread and break it like you broke your body that it might become holy in giving of life that is really life. In your name, Lord Jesus, amen.